it's easy to see that self-isolation has begun to impact on people's psyche. People do silly things. There's so much now on blame, so much on stress, so much on domestic violence, so much on trying to break rules, so much on doing whatever we can to get out of this spot where we are in isolation. Mainly because I think humans are not built to be alone. We are creatures that are social beings. Still, being alone to me is a very different notion to being lonely. I think that you can feel lonely while you're in the crowd. I have to say that I have experimented um, being alone quite a lot lately, but I was never lonely. I was always busy doing something. I was always busy in my own head to think of something. For example, when it comes to my backyard, I haven't really paid notice in 17 years. And yet now it has become one of the things that I cherish the most. I went at the back of my property and noticed that my neighbors started to clear some of the areas and turn some of their areas by removing bushes and turning them into a beautiful picnic area. And I thought, how could that be that this thing has been around me for 17 years and I haven't seen it? And so I went onto the back of mine and started imagining what it could be like. Now, much of these times being spent alone, looking at things and seeing what it could be. And so in that respect, I wasn't maybe alone. Maybe I was in unity with some aspects of nature at that point in time. But still, let's look at it in a logical way. Being alone does not stop your mind from creating an environment where you're not. Being lonely is nothing else but a process in the mind that is about poor me and that is a spiraling down within oneself. So over the past few weeks, we have seen now the relaxing of the rules of having now two people over your place. So this last weekend, I had Cam one of the uh, boys from uh, Wine and Wisdom, and his family at our place. And, uh, they wanted to give me a hand in the back of our property. So they turned up on the Sunday at 10, and we got stuck into the uh, weeding and dealing with the bushes, removing them. Now, we didn't talk to each other too much because it was a quite a busy day. Only at the end of the day, when we got the fire going and we sat down and enjoyed a good barbecue together, did we have a little bit of conversation? The beauty of all of this is sometimes you can be around friends and you don't have to say much. Just the company, just doing things together is enough. When we looked at the final product of our labor, there was some change. And, and I think that that was something that gave us such a great feel that we didn't have to say much in order to feel joyful. Now, my body was in pain, but somehow it was kind of a welcoming pain. I was okay with that pain. I don't know. I've never been a very physical person. I mean, if you gave me a mental challenge or a lawnmower, I can tell you which one I'm going to pick. And yet over the past few weeks, I have done more gardening, created more garden beds, installed more watering system and cleared more bushes than I probably have done in my entire life. 
So it was a different perspective, maybe opening my mind to things that I didn't see or that I have put limitation to, not wanting to see it because I had labeled it as hard work. Now, what shocked me the most that day, though, when Cam and his family left, was that I realized that for the entire day, I had not touched my laptop nor my phone. And I don't know how to explain this feeling, but it was as if for the first time you just realized that life continued and was okay, even though all of these digital tools, iPhone and so on, had kind of made you feel like you couldn't live without. You just realized then that for the first time, you could actually now master these tools and decide when to touch, when to use them, when to allow them to enter really your own world. We did a um, podcast on humility, gratitude and success. Um, and it was interesting to chat about the link between the three. I think that it's probably something that we need to remind ourselves if we want to avoid the issues that's coming up for the moment in our life because of this COVID-19 and all the self-isolation and probably the poor me syndrome that's coming up. As I said before in the other podcast, these kind of challenging times always uncover the best and the worst in all of us. Now, the best it's easy to deal with and the best does not really need talking Although we need to recognize it, we always enjoy the best. What's always difficult to deal with is the worst in us. And because we are all different beings, the worst in us is quite different from one person to the another. For one person, maybe blaming others, blaming the government or pointing the finger at what is unfair is probably something that is more natural. And for other people, it may just be fears or the guilt of not doing enough and the feeling of not being in control of their own destiny could be the issue. And so yesterday when we talked about gratitude, we were really trying to explain that gratitude was mainly a way of being, uh, some kind of mindset that actually can decrease the probably the impact of negativity in our lives and then therefore contributes to a, uh, our own well-being. I think that when it comes to being grateful, we, I think we need to be grateful maybe that we are alive. That's probably the first thing. When at this point in time here now, we have hundreds of thousands of people who have lost their life, uh, uh, probably for no fault, but probably contracting a virus and at the wrong time. So we have 250-odd thousand people who've now passed on. And maybe we should be grateful for what we have. And as I spoke about it yesterday, most of us always want more. And while there's no problem with wanting more, I think that what we need to do is to love what we already have before loving to have more. And I think that that is a different mindset. There's so many people who have got so much and so much more and still commit suicides, still push their life into total destruction. So it is definite that wanting more is not a great remedy. I understand when Cam said yesterday that, you know, if you, if you have more money, you can do so much more. If you had more money, you can achieve more. I understand that. That is not the issue that we're talking about. But there is a level when achieving more 
for no reason or f- without even feeling that sense of happiness within is useless. There's people who achieve so much less. There's people who have way, way less and who have accomplished a, a much better quality of life and at the end of their life can really grade it at a much higher level than people who've got plenty. So the discussion is about how to feel it all day long. I mean, another thing that to be grateful for if we're having a business is for our staff. How sometimes we feel like we are giving people opportunity. Maybe we should really be thankful and feel the other side that we should thank them for the opportunity to give us a steady business. And so I think the important bit is that mindset that, that we have to have because that is the kind of glasses, the sunglasses or the, the glasses that you wear as you look into the world around you. Now, one important thing to denote is that gratitude is not about feeling that you are indebted to someone. I think that that is more a blackmail combined with guilt And that is not gratitude. Gratitude is a positive feel. Gratitude is not a negative feel. Now, yesterday, Cam was talking about his morning routines and what he was doing in order to feel more grateful about his life. And I think that it is probably way more than that. You can't just reduce such an amazing virtue down to a set of action. If it was that easy, then I think the, the world would probably be such a nicer place for a lot of us. No, I think it is something that you feel all day long. It's really a mindset. I've seen people who go through their morning routines and of gratefulness, and then after 10 minutes, they've gone back to a dreadful day, a dreadful mindset. So we have to make sure that we understand The issue is, you know, these days we all live on credit cards. We want things now and then pay for it later. We want to have success now and pay for it later. We want to have a meal now and quick. Everything is about quick. It's not good enough to sit down and enjoy the dinner. It has to be just fast food because we can imagine that in our stomach before we even get it. So reducing gratitude to a simple set of actions is a bit of an issue. Now, saying thank you, thank you is not enough. I don't think that saying thank you is showing gratitude. And John Kennedy actually said it in his own words. As we express our gratitude, we must never forget that the highest appreciation is not to utter words, but to live by them. And I think that we have to take the time to really mean gratitude. And that gratitude in that way is an exercise, not a thought. It is an action, not just words. Not only it's an action, it has to be a daily action, just like one takes a shower every single day. Gratitude has to be something that we do all the time. It has to permeate every second of our life. Now, the interesting thing, too, is that our understanding of gratitude can really impact on our behavior, as probably that podcast yesterday between us, we were trying to explain the way we saw, we each saw gratitude. And the definition that we each had 
actually drove our sense of gratitude, such as I think with Chris, his sense of gratitude was very much the ability to find good in every moment in our life. And that is, to me, a different thing again. But again, who, who's right, who's wrong? I'm not here to tell him whether what he's done is right or wrong. But the reason we share this kind of information between us is to enrich our uh, ability to understand a very simple word and then make it a bigger part of our life in order to achieve more. Now, the absence of gratitude, I think, is when blame occurs. When you are grateful for things, you have the ability to just even embrace challenges because you understand that they are there for a certain reason. Now, you may not see that reason yet. You may not really comprehend or even you may even feel it being unfair. But there's one thing that it does for sure is that it refrains you from pointing the finger. I mean, we all know the line about when you point a finger at someone, there's always three fingers pointing back at you. We understand that. But we still, maybe uh, some of us, just understand the concept. We don't really appreciate the living of that concept. And I think it is important to remove blame from our life because the minute that you give blame to an external factor, not only are you giving the power to that external factor into inducing a behavior that you may not want to do, and therefore you are in total, under total control from the thought, but also what you are doing is that you are not living life from your inner core. You are living life as a satellite, maybe around the external world. And as you know, the external world is forever changing. Therefore, no matter how fast you adapting your own self to that external world, it's only going to be a never-ending project of yours. And it's going to be a never-ending journey of trying to live life by external standards. Therefore, I truly believe that in these kind of uncertain times, such as the negativity of self-isolation, as I spoke earlier, or the fears of losing a job or losing a business, of going bankrupt, of losing everything that you've built in the last few years, I still believe that really gratitude is going to be the only antidote because it forces you to really take a stock of all the good things you have in life rather than focus on what you've lost or how much harder it will get, it will be for you to get ahead. Truly, I wonder whether we have taken the time to think about the real consequences of losing everything but our own life. Because at that point in time, it probably pales into insignificance. I think that Buddha even talks about how if you're not having things doing so well, maybe you have something small doing better. And if not, well... Be thankful that you're not sick. And, and if you're sick, well, be thankful you're not dead. And the way that he's reducing it to a much more fatalistic end really brings you to the fact that, you know, anything beyond being alive should be a bonus. I understand. It's not that easy. They, I, like everybody else, there are days when I wake up and I don't feel like having a good day. 
There are moments when I don't feel like being in a good mood, and it's a normal thing. Now, that's probably why we are humans: is that we don't want to eat the same dish every day. We like to have different dishes. So, you imagine being happy every single day and every single moment of your life? Well, maybe you'd be locked up because they think that you're crazy. And so it is the variety of having maybe sometimes being fearful that gives you a bit of juice. Maybe sometimes feeling like excited about doing something that changes the tempo. And as a human being, we have those changes for a reason. But what we need to be doing is to make gratitude the beginning of things and everything else a bonus. I believe that the more one person, the more we advance, the more conditions sometimes we put into our life to feel good. I still remember how great I felt back in the days when I would go into the city during my lunchtime and have a two dollar fifty yogurt with my wife. We were happy. We didn't have much. We were happy. I still remember when we just had a mattress on the floor and we were happy. But as we start to live, we start to make conditions into our own life. We started to have children, and we make our conditions that our children should be happy for us to be happy. We start to make conditions that we have to have more, so that our children can have more, so that we can make their life easier. And sometimes I sit down, and I yes, I do realize that sometimes it may be. By giving my own children everything on a silver platter, that I am probably stealing some of the experience that they should have in order to grow as a full-fledged human being. I, maybe that is also something. But nevertheless, for me to make their life to be a certain way, for me to be happy, and then maybe that is not fair. And so, at some point or another, it becomes very hard to feel good about oneself because we try to live on such a presets of conditions that,、uh, at one stage, are hard to really fulfill. Now, this is when people sometimes sabotage themselves just to go back to whatever simple, or do silly things in order to destroy their life. And we can see that, you know, sometimes when there's people who've got every single reason to be happy in their life, they have achieved so many things in their life, and still they somehow find a way to harm themselves, either because they are scared and torture themselves with the fear of losing、uh, the success and fame that they have achieved. So we're gonna have to really understand that unless we feel gratitude first. Really, nothing else can be built on very、uh, strong foundation. Oprah Winfrey said it、uh, very well too, and that you know we need to be thankful for what we have, because we will end up having more. And if we concentrate on what we don't have, we will probably never ever have enough. And yesterday, when Ken was saying, you know, well, can I feel grateful and still wanting to achieve more, wanting to do more? That is. A totally normal thing to do, and then the more ambitious you, you are, the the more you want that. But、uh, we have to really understand too、uh, that that is not driving us towards a happy life, a fulfilled life. 
that the one precedes the other one and that is not the need for more that does it. I personally think that the need for more is probably sometimes the source of a lot of, not evils, but a lot of changes in oneself. Because wanting more is, to me, already an out-of-balance reaction. And uh, whenever we go out of balance, there's always something happening. Just as much as I personally believe that COVID-19 is probably the beginning of a lot of things that's going to happen to this earth, unless really we humans really change our ways. Because in the way that we are chasing the more and the more, we have to really understand one of the rules. I understand it that it is thermodynamics, but maybe it does suit us too, is that nothing is ever created or nothing is ever destroyed. It's just a change from one thing to another. Maybe that is another way of explaining the circle of life. But the more we take away from Mother Earth the more she will react in, in certain ways. And so the way that we live, unless it is in symbiosis with our environment, we are going to create things that are going to deeply impact. And sometimes it's not us, sometimes it's our next generations. I mean, right now, we're sitting down here and we're screaming about our own conditions And I see young people who have never been alone and have to self-isolate themselves. Right now we're sitting here and we know that someone's going to have to pay for these billions of dollars we lose every week. I mean, apparently they're talking about the fact that just Australia, uh, with what's happening here, we're losing about $4 billion in productivity a week. I mean, someone's going to have to pay for this. And so how about we look for a better way of managing our own psyche than uh, trying to want more, trying to have more for ourselves without really thinking of the consequences. Now, a very important step in order to really go there is to have humility. And it was a actually good talk to focus on, a bit on humility because that's when we talked about fake humility from the real ones. I think that there's um, a great tendency for many people to show fake humility because it is socially accepted, because it is probably the right rules of ethics. But genuine humility is about recognizing that I am not so bad, but I'm not so much better than others that while I have strengths that I need to embrace, admire, and explore, that I also have my own set of weaknesses that I may have to work upon or that I have to avoid. And so if it is true for me, it is also true for others. And so it is important for me to then recognize that others may have skill and set of strengths that are probably something that would complement my being, but that can never happen. And then therefore I need to respect their uniqueness and admire their authentic being. And so I think that humility really is, is a great start to gratitude because if you are not so humble 
and are driven by ego, by arrogance, by pride or narcissism, self-preoccupation. So if you just driven by these things, it is almost impossible for you to feel grateful. If anything, you will feel a sense of entitlement, of gratitude, if you will. And I think that without really that core humility, it, gratitude either will be non-existent or always be highly superficial. Now, it is hard to get there these days because we are living in a me, myself and I kind of culture where we are surrounded by uh, social media and over the past now eight to ten years we have been conditioned to a new way of thinking and a new way of thinking that is highly sensitive to what others think of us. Therefore, we are now living as a satellite around external factors. We also do things on social media, not only to gain acceptance, but to gain a sense of love, if you will. So it's not just about acceptance of others, but it's almost that definition of us now being alive and being real or being accepted because we are now worthy in the eyes of others. We're going to have to really be very careful. I, for one, I really avoid touching too much on social media. Now, yes, I do have a team that work around me, but everyone's got their job. And I just don't want to sensitize myself into doing things because that's what the crowd wants. I think that Wayne Dyer was explaining it very well in one of the seminars I attended where he said when someone writes him a letter or says something that is good about him, he thinks that that person is uh, an imposter, that they are trying to shape his behavior with a compliment. And when someone criticizes him, it, he also sees that the same way. And that we have to really be able to drive ourselves from a point of authenticity from within rather than having the external world dictate our behavior. Now, when you're truly a humble person, therefore, your identity is intrinsic. It just comes from you knowing who you are, but more importantly, you're accepting who you are. You're being thankful and having that gratitude for the person you have become, either from your hard work, but also from the entourage around you. They say that it takes a village to build a great leader. Well, I believe that it takes a whole village to build every human being. Now, the last thing, therefore, we spoke and I touched earlier about a bit was about the sense of success. I, I think that, first of all, we need to discern two different types of views. The Western culture seems to have a sense of success that is measured by what one gathers throughout life. And in the end, and that may, there's nothing wrong with this, but in the end, it, it's a sense of success that comes from being perceived by others. It's what you drive. It's the house you live in. It's whether your children go to a certain school. It's what you have in today compared to what you had 10 years ago. 
It's the number of holidays you go to every year. And these are the things that define the person. The Eastern culture has got a lot of success where it comes from a self-perception, from a self-point of view, where the material possessions or the things that you have gathered around you as a magnet do not define the strength of the magnet, if you will. And so in many ways, the two definition of successes quite often are opposite. Now, first of all, from what we spoke about yesterday is that gratitude and humility really, to me, leads to a uh, very grounding success. That doesn't mean that you can't get to success beforehand, but I, when I talk about grounding, is that it is a success that is not only ecological, but it is also not harming yourself or others, and upon which you can build many other level of success. And so... There was a person that I quoted yesterday, Albert Schweitzer, who said that success is not the key to happiness. Happiness is the key to success. And if you love what you're doing, then you will be successful. It's very important probably to find that. The amount of money that you get at one stage will stop inspiring you if you're doing something you don't like. And if you're doing the bit you like, money is never going to be the measure of your life. And I have been lucky enough that I'm doing something I really love. That in my work, I get to really see people for who they are sometimes, for who they are maybe a few years from now. And therefore, I am now instrumental into assisting them into uncovering that side of themselves and having people being a passion of mine. It is really a great opportunity for me to just work with them. In that respect, I always tell people I don't have a job. It's a hobby and hence, to me, doing that seven days a week is not an issue. I never have a time limit for passions. One of the things that I had to say that the value of success that I've learned stemmed from my own mother, who did not go out there in her younger days to work and in order to show the world that she could run a restaurant and three bakery at the same time. But she, she just did that for an ulterior motive. And, and here I'm quoting again, I'm reminding you again, maybe, or I'm reminding myself again of Viktor Frankl, is that she had a reason, a end goal that is way, way past and beyond the need to make money, that she wanted her five children to have enough or to even have more than enough. And so she was probably not the kind of person who dreamt of success, she was the kind of person who just woke up every single day and worked herself. Totally oblivious that success was actually going to be knocking on the door, mainly because of her hard work. Now, I personally believe in that quote that Helen Keller had, that is, that character cannot be developed in ease and quiet. Only through experience of trial and suffering can the soul be strengthened, ambition-inspired, and success achieved. And 
that reminded me of that movie Men of Honor that is based on the true story of Karl Bashir, the first colored man who became master diver. And, and you look at this guy, he had to surmount stereotype, bigotry, racism. He had to fight the old ways. And uh, still, what uh, was inspiring to me in the movie, even though I know the movie didn't have everything correct, and this is why it's always based on the true story, not a true story, is that he did that without losing himself, without losing his values, without having to play at their own game. You know, I hear people who said, well, you know, if you go in a uh, gun battle, don't turn up with a knife, pick up a gun. But I also remind myself quite often is that Gandhi, who brought down an entire empire away from India without even having to pick up a pocket knife. And so we have to look for a way to really reach our level of success, our level of being, without having to resort to the same ways that other people are looking at success. For example, my success does not have to come to the detriment of others. That it is possible for me to reach my level of success and that it is possible for you who's right next to me to reach that same level too. That success does not necessarily breed enemies, but success can actually breed cooperation, working together. One of the things that we have to really understand, too, is that success at work is very different to success in life. I think that we have to really discern that. We can't be successful at work, and then when we go home, it's a shame that we can't have a high level of success at work and not give the same amount of dedication and passion into our own family. I'm not saying that, you know, that I'm against people who are divorcing because I, they're not working together, because sometimes there's incompatibility, sometimes there's things that we do that are not a mistake right at that point in time, but that um, people grow apart rather than growing together. But we need to really ask ourselves that question. Did we dedicate the same amount of success in our life uh, that we did in our work. I think that in that way, it is uh, important to know that success is not just what you do or, or what you achieve. Success is also about what you do that is inspiring. And in that respect, it is important to reject the notion of blind pursuit of success. As I said earlier, uh, the pursuit of more is only going to imbalance the rest of life. And sometimes that imbalance is something that we never get back. We are mesmerized. We can actually grow our entire life until our last breath, I would say, being mesmerized by that fakeness. But sooner or later, you get to that last breath and you have the regrets. Therefore, it's important to understand that success is in action, not just words. We can talk about wanting to be successful, in the end, it is about the things that we do. We can have success in our family, but the actions that we do in our family is important. 
we can have success at work and we have to know when enough is enough. I enjoyed that movie, The Last Samurai, probably one of my favorites. Now, it's not really based on a true story, even though some of the elements have been taken, but it is a nice thing to be able to see that it is possible to live with honor. It is possible to live an authentic life and that it is possible to achieve more in death than while you're alive. And so I'm quoting Tony Sie who said that we need to stop chasing the money and start chasing the passion. Or Oprah Winfrey also said that you know you are on the road to success if you would do your job and not be paid for it. For me, the movie The Last Samurai depicts not only all of these things, but it depicts what Albert Einstein said, try not to become a man of success, rather become a man of value. And so this is my thought over the last few weeks on these issues. I'm asking myself whether I do these things in life. Now, it's not perfect. It's not always probably done the way I like. Because as a human being, I'm driven too by my own weaknesses, my own defects, not only in the way I see things, but in the way I do things. Just like Dr. Heisenberg, the scientist who created quantum physics and also was probably the first into creating a fission of the atomic particle. He thinks that when you're observing something, the true nature of that thing that you observe really is only totally depending on what you do or what you see. It depends on the observer. And that the two are correlated, that a different observer would probably see something else. And he went on to create the law of uncertainty. Is that I think the way that you look at gratitude and humility will affect the way that you behave. That it is very important for you to take this time of COVID-19 to sit down and reevaluate some of those virtues and the things that you value in your life and really look at the definition, find the meaning to the nth degree because the better the meaning you have, the better the observer you become. Until next time, I'm Thomas Lehuang. Talk to you soon.